Hello, Miss Fitz. Hello, Miss Bit. Welcome to morning meeting for Friday, May 1st. We made it to May. Whew. We do. And we have a full house today. It's like a reunion. We <laughs> have is. not one, not two, but three special guests that I'm, I'm very excited to see. Would you like to introduce them real quick? Welcome and thank you so much for joining us, Izzy and Spicer. Yay! Hi! Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. We're thrilled. And we also have eighth grade science teacher who work with Izzy and Spicer, and that is Trent Holden. So welcome, Miss Holden. We're glad you're here too. Thank you. And the riddle yesterday was a little weird. There was a greenhouse. Inside the greenhouse, there was a white house. Inside the white house, there was a red house. Inside the red house, there were lots of babies. What is the house? I had no guesses on this one. Anybody? No, I, I, I see it now, but uh, no, I didn't have a guess before. It was a watermelon. Green outside, and oh. then the white, and then the red, and then the babies are the seeds. Okay, that oh. makes Okay, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. If I'm being honest, it was not my best riddle, but um, but that's okay. That's okay. We've done it, and now Miss Nemes Bit can deliver the joke. All right. What do you call a fish without eyes? I have no idea. Is it like the letter I? Like <laughs> <laughs> Spicer, you asked just the right question. Yeah, for sure. I was trying to think of something like punny about a blind fish. No, no. he went right for it. So before we get into the meat of the subject, we've been asking, especially students who come on, because this is a very different time that we're all experiencing. Sort of what is a, a high and or a low about distance learning? And maybe, Ms. Fitz, that could be our high or low today. I think a high is definitely, I've been getting a lot of stuff done, like around my house and like deep cleaning everything and like stuff I never really get to do with school. Like I've been reading and drawing a lot more, but I guess like a not so awesome thing is like, I kind of obvious you don't get to see everybody every day, especially like I have a lot of friends that aren't in all of my classes and I don't really get to see them that much anymore which is kind of a little bit sad, but yeah. For sure. And Izzy, I'm not at all surprised to hear that while the rest of us are like laying on the floor eating cookies, you're deep cleaning She's cleaning. That does not surprise me at all. How about you, Spicer? Have you had ups <laughs> and downs? Well, I really like the independence aspect about it. It's the response, I guess, the responsibility of managing your schedule and managing what you have to do. That's been really fun. But I mean, just like Izzy, it's not only is it rough socially not to see people, it, it is hard not to lose interest in all of your classes yeah. when, you know, you're not with anyone. It's the drive is completely gone. <laughs> And from the teacher side, it is it is a challenge to try to be more interesting than right. all of the things I know are calling your name on the internet. Like as I, I climbed a tree to record a lesson earlier this week and my husband was filming me and he, he is always down for any of the weird things that I have to do. But there was definitely a sense of like, so you're in a tree, like, are we going to talk about? And I was like, I have to compete with YouTube. Like I have to be more fun than YouTube right no, now. No, we need as many tree live streams yes. as possible okay excellent miss holden how about you positives i get to spend a lot more time with my dog and my family which is good and kind of to izzy's point you get to do the things you don't have a lot of time to do 
So like reading, getting to work out more, all that fun stuff. I think the hardest part is not seeing the kids every day. Kind of to Miss Fitz's point, you try and make classes interesting, but it's hard to make them interesting when you can't do labs or do stuff online. And so that's why this project was fun because I got to mix things up for the kids from their everyday stuff. But it's definitely been hard as a teacher because you feel like you're not engaging the kids as much as you would usually like to. Yeah. Pushes you to be creative in all sorts of new ways. Miss Fitz, how about you? I like that it's pushing me to be creative in new ways. It's just stretching my teaching in ways that I don't know that I would have ever considered if I was still in the library. And I'm collaborating with teachers that I don't normally get to reach out to. How about you, Miss Bitt? So that's the same for me. I am usually pounding on people's doors saying, hey, I'd like to do some CS integration. Would you like to let me in? And you know, they've got a lot of other things they're trying to do. Now, because people are trying to do more engaging projects with students and, you know, the curriculum is not able to be the way it was, I am doing so many collaboration projects, which is awesome. So the project that we're talking about that we've been alluding to is this robot design challenge. And I've been doing a robotics project with eighth grade for, I think be, this would have been the fourth or fifth year. And usually we get to get hands-on with the Hummingbird Robotics Kit, which is a really cool um, robotics kit I just love that has everything a ro robot would have, sensors, motors, servos, lights, things like that. And the kids get the prototype. But we don't get to do that now because we don't have those kits out to everybody. So Ms. Holden and I and Ms. Fitz had to sort of reimagine what this project would look like. And so I'm just really curious to hear about it from the student perspective. So I'm not gonna to say too much more about it. What did you feel about the project, especially this idea that you all should be thinking about human robot slash computer slash artificial intelligence? Like, why is that important? I think like, especially like in the time we're in right now in hospitals, it can be, or like anywhere really because of the virus, it can be difficult connecting with humans. Social distancing and being isolated, I think it can get really lonely. So having like robots there or any type of kind of helps, I guess. Right. And I also think that it's just important to be exposed and to be aware, you know, there are so many robots and computers in our lives and new things are coming to our homes daily. I thought this project, it was not only was the robot part really fun, it was fun to explore being creative and imaginative and that, like, like Spicer said, that creativity point, I had a lot of fun just, like, drawing up my own robot and, like, I guess reading about a bunch of different robots, I had, like, no clue about all of this. And then, like, reading about it and learning about it, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And, like, making your own just sounded so interesting. And it was. I love hearing about the robots that already exist that I don't even think of as robots. I was I did a robot nonfiction read aloud for my K through four students. And as I was reading, they were like, did you know that there may be a robot vacuuming your house? And in my head, I was like, oh, Roomba is a robot. Of course it is. <laughs> like, just didn't even think about that. So it definitely made me look more carefully at the robots that are already around me. Ms. Holden, how about you? How did this make a connection with science and, and things that you want students to be learning in your classroom? I think it was a great, kind of like Spicer said, it was fun to be able to fit in a project and it was different than the project we originally planned, but we had just learned about the nervous system and the senses before we went into spring break. And so it was kind of nice to go back to this and while we're very different than robots, seeing how 
we sense our environment around us, how robots do a similar thing. They don't have a nervous oh. system, but they are connecting to their environment also. And so that's kind of how we tied it into what we were learning about in class. So I'm curious what problem you picked and what your robotic solution was. It was like helping out the family if a family like needed help. It's just like a helper around the house. And I got inspired by the Jibo one. It has like the facial recognition thing, which I thought was so interesting. So my robot was a robot that was meant to take care of an aging family member, but less in the social way. This was more of a robot that would be able to call emergency services really easily. Oh. And I guess it's just an alternative to expensive and sometimes not accessible self-care and helpers that come to help older people. When you guys thought of robotics before this project, did your mind immediately go to the empathetic side of robotics and how they help people? Or did this, did this project change the way you think about how robotics are used? Personally, it definitely changed the way I think about robotics because like when somebody says robot, I kind of just think of like metal and like clunky mechanics and mm -hmm. like a bunch of just like wires and stuff. I don't usually immediately go to, oh, like the emotional side or like helpful side or anything like that. Yeah, I think this project has definitely like changed my point of view. I totally agree with you is when you think of robot, I think we all think of that really generic metal, you know, smile that's automated or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's important to know, like your Roomba, just how much of our lives and how common robots are around us and like your Roomba or your, you know, Alexa or, you know, any of that kind of thing. It's, it's, it helped me be more of aware of how common robots are. Yeah. One of the things I liked about the project and there was a couple other students that were like, well, I don't, you know, it should all be about humans solving these problems, not robots. And, you know, I think we've kind of personified robots sometimes, but they can't do anything that they weren't told to do <laughs> by humans. So really, when we're solving problems with robotics, it's humans solving problems with robotics. So Ms. Holden, what kind of interesting designs? I haven't seen all the designs yet. Are there any that stand out? The one I just remember specifically, you can tell that Sophie's dad's a doctor because she decided that she wanted a robot that could help take people off and on ventilators during this time wow. so that nurses wouldn't have to come into contact with them. But she said she didn't want it to look scary, so she wanted to make it like a friendly animal to make the person happier. That was a theme I noticed in the robots from the younger students as well, is they're, they're reading about current events and they're putting their robot designs through their hearts and their kind of empathy. So we had a robot from a third grader who was designed to help remember people wash their hands. And we had robots that were designed to help clean surfaces and doorknobs. And it's interesting the way kids' brains just automatically think that way. I see a problem. I want to solve it. A robot can help me do it. Ms. Fitz, do you want to talk about that side of it and how we got the K-4 and eighth grade together virtually? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So we knew we wanted our eighth graders who were working with this robot design project to be able to connect with our younger learners. So what we did, I got the K through four readers thinking about robots by featuring a nonfiction and a fiction robot read aloud in my lessons for that week. And then I invited the K through four students to just think about what kind of robot they would want to design. We left it really open-ended on purpose. I did not create any design samples. I just said, 
you're going to make a robot. What is it going to do? And Miss Bit gave us some questions. How is it going to interact with people? What special powers does it have? And then the robot designs kind of started trickling in. And then as they came in, we transferred them to a Padlet that was open for everyone. And then the eighth grade became our experts who went over the kindergarten through fourth graders designs and gave them feedback based on what they had created. The cool thing about the K through four designs is we had some that were drawn on paper, some that were built from Legos, some that were made from boxes and spray paint. And because we didn't really provide a sample, the imaginations just ran wild. And it was so cool to see their designs and their prototypes. Is it your Spicer? Did you get to check out any of the A4 robots? Did yeah, they were really cool. Super awesome. I mean, it's fun. It's super fun to see how the designs from eighth graders and K through fourth graders were different but reflected each other. We are going to link to that robot design padlet as well so you can see these awesome K4 creations. And I'm also going to link to the robot design challenge slide deck, which that's the way we've been sharing the challenge with the eighth graders. So you'll see all the things that they've been through and you could try it yourself. Our daily challenge today is to create a robot zine. And a robot zine is actually something that Ms. Fitz and I brought to MozFest last year as part of the Tech Girls Challenge. It was a way, the theme was artificial intelligence, and that's a big part of robotics as well. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was to think about a robot you want to design, think about what powers it has, and to me that's its sensing abilities and what it's going to do with them. And then the very important thing that we really need to think about a lot is a code of conduct or the ethics of robotics, like how especially as robotics become more autonomous, how are we going to code into them a code of conduct that they'll follow when they're interacting with humans? So I'm just wondering what you thought about the robot zine challenges part of your work for this project. I found the robot zine kind of fun. It was kind of like free reign to do kind of anything. Mm. And I think just like having that time to be like super creative as a project is always really fun for me. Sounds like you guys are loving the opportunity to create more. Being able to explore creatively, especially in a time like this, it's super fun. Is that something you hope will continue when we go back to school and we're together, that you'll get to spend more time creating and leading and developing those sides of your imagination? Totally. Like, yes, I mean, learning like this, like learning through like creative projects like this is just like kind of my favorite version of school. I definitely enjoyed it. It was it was a super fun project where we were given guidelines, but we could put any part of ourselves or anything that we were interested in it, which is which is not only a fun way to learn, but it's a way that actually just, you know, will stay permanently in your mind just because you are, you know, yeah. more proud of the work that you've created. All right, teachers and administrators out there, listen up. Yeah, you heard it here first. This is the way school should be. Let's all do it. All right, well, let's wrap up with the thing you wanted to share. Oh, that actually, yeah, that brings us perfectly 
when you talk about being creative and bringing parts of yourself to your assignment, that brings us to the experience that Izzy and Spicer and I shared last semester. Our school has a program called Quest. And to put it simply, it's like a project-based course that can be led by a student. So Izzy and Spicer taught this course and I was simply their faculty advisor, which means most of the time I was just the adult in the room. Izzy and Spicer had a question that they felt really passionately about and they led a group of students who chose to be there in working hard to find the answer. And we thought this would be the perfect time for them to tell you a little bit about that project because it's so relevant to what we're experiencing right now. So you guys can take it away. I think our question was, how do we solve the food crisis in Charlottesville? So we kind of, it's a very vague and broad question and we had to do lots of work. But over the time of our trimester, we we raised over 3,000 cans and we gave that to Clark Elementary and the Emergency Food Network in Charlottesville. It was a super cool experience because we were with a group of our peers, especially in a time like this. It's really important to uh, acknowledge and help your community and local businesses and your mm -hmm. food bank and just being aware of people that need help. So toward that end, because we're getting... <laughs> near the end is are there up to did you each of you have a particular resource you'd like to share about especially helping in this time yeah so i was talking with my mom who has some friends who work for the charlottesville area community or not work for but are in the charlottesville area community foundation and they've created a fund in conjunction with the local chapter of united way and they're helping to provide meals to kids, the kids that like the age group that we were trying to impact in our quest, which is middle school kids. So they're providing meals to families too. And they're trying to help support families whose parents might've lost their jobs or gotten less pay due to coronavirus. So they are taking donations and money to help families in need in Charlottesville. The Blue Ridge Area Food Bank is not only taking donations, they're distributing food beyond Charlottesville and all around Virginia communities. So donating there, and they also have volunteering opportunities, makes a huge impact. That's awesome. So we'll have links to those specific resources. And if you're interested in learning more about the Quest and the group of students that worked to understand the hunger crisis in Charlottesville and to make a difference at our school, we'll have links on our research page so you can explore all of that. It's just so great to hear you guys talking about this project that's so close to your heart. And I love that even though we're not in school together, you have kept tabs on the work that you've done and the organizations that you feel connected to. And you're just still spreading that joy and, and sunshine and doing your best to help people even when you're at home. And I just think that's so great. Yeah, we want to thank you, Izzy and Spicer and Miss Holden for joining us. This was awesome. But we need to wrap up, Miss Fitz. Okay, so I'm going to give you tomorrow's riddle. When the water comes down, I go up. What am I? That'll give you guys something to think uh -oh. about. Well, thank you again to Izzy Spicer and Miss Holden for being here. It was so wonderful having you. We miss seeing you every day. Until Tuesday. Tech, love, and happiness.